And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live here on this Monday. Casey Gisclair here, hoping that everyone had or has had a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, my God, I know that I did. My goodness, I ate my weight in turkey and gumbo and rice dressing and macaroni and cheese and custard tarts and tea cookies and on and on and on and on some more. And then the best part about Thanksgiving to me, well, no, no, let me not say that. The best part about Thanksgiving is the camaraderie and the family time and everything like that. And I certainly enjoyed my family time on Thanksgiving. But the second best thing about Thanksgiving is on Friday, whenever you wake up and you're hungry and you're thinking to myself like, man, what the heck am I going to eat? And then that light bulb goes off as, Oh my God, I, I got leftovers in the fridge. And then you go and get that day old gumbo that's even better the second day than it was the first day. And then you got that leftover turkey that you put on a warm French bread. You make yourself a little turkey sandwich. That's the second best part of Thanksgiving is the fact that you got leftovers for the rest of the weekend. You're not eating like a king just for one day. You're eating like a king forever and ever. I had a wonderful holiday time and I hope certainly everybody else has done the same. We've got a fun show coming your way in the next segment of the show. We're going to Cecilia. We have Cecilia football coach Dennis Gaines on the line. His team is one win away from the Dome. They uh, moved to the semifinals with a big win. We'll ask Dennis about that in the next segment. In the segment after that, uh, we're making a trip out to somewhere between here and Georgia. Coach Brian Colley and the crew are heading back home. They were in Atlanta watching the Saints yesterday. Sure, Brian has some thoughts. New Orleans goes down to Atlanta. Wonk, wonk, didn't play well. Um, well. Let me rephrase that. Did play well at times. Got into the red zone a bunch. Just did stuff that the Saints do. Dumb turnover, pick six. Like, you move the ball, just can't score touchdowns. You can't score touchdowns because you got a lemon under center that you paid $150 million. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that later in the show. Uh, in the back end of the show, we got our W's and our L's. We talk about some LSU. The Tigers get a win. We'll talk about some Saints uh, as we you know started to talk about there in just a second. But we lead off with this. Um, we've got to give you an update from the weekend. And, and, and by the way, we'll also talk a little bit of high school basketball here because we have the Tarpon boys um, who are opening their season at home tonight against Thibodeau, uh, 6 o'clock JV, Varsity at 7. So we'll talk about some things there. Um <clears throat> But we got to run through the brackets, right? Division one non-select. These are the winners this weekend. Uh, everybody wants to be playing Thanksgiving weekend because it means you're in the quarterfinals. We've got, let's see, there's eight brackets and there's four teams left in each bracket. So we got 32 teams that are left playing football in Louisiana. And one of them is Rustin, the number one seed in Division one non-select. They got a 56 to 17 win over Walker. Rustin moves on. They'll take on Mandeville. Cinderella story, the 21 seed. Gets a 56-50 win over Airline in an absolute shootout. Rustin and Mandeville will do battle on Friday in one semifinal. The long, lengthy winning streak for Destrehan is over. Destrehan gets beat by Zachary 35-14. Must be nice to get four- and five-star players to transfer into your program every season like Zachary does, but that's neither here nor there. Tredez Green for them, the LSU commitment, uh, had a big day and powers the Broncos into the semifinals. Well, they'll take on Dutchtown, who got a 21-20 win over Central of Baton Rouge. So we got Zachary, and we've got Dutchtown. We've got Rustin. We've got Mandeville. 
In Division Two, non-select, we had a local team that lost an absolute heartbreaker. But first, the number one seed, Nart DeSoto, got a 45 to 21 win over Iowa. They'll take on Opelousas, who went on the road and beat Lutcher 26 to 10. Not a big surprise there, man. <clears throat> you could hear in Coach Dwayne Jenkins' voice when he came on the show last week, he told us, you could kind of sense in his voice, like, yeah, we're the four seed, they're the 12 seed, they're probably a little better than we are. He's talking about eight and nine um, Division One signees and all the team speed, and it's a team that made a long run last year and has everybody back, and you just kind of sensed going in that Lutcher would have a tough one there. Opelousas goes on the road and gets a 26-10 win. They'll take on North DeSoto. Don't be surprised if they beat North DeSoto and go to the Dome. The bottom of the bracket is where we had a heartbreaker. Northwest gets a 46-44 double overtime win over Assumption. Both teams get eight points in the first overtime. In the second overtime, Assumption gets the ball first, uh, misses the two-point conversion. Northwest gets its second. Uh, scores and attempts the extra point, barely makes it, like barely sneaks it across the crossbar, but Assumption was offsides, uh, so the play didn't count. So Northwest moves the ball to the one-yard line and then runs it in. They get a 46-44 to win in a game that had a little controversy. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Cecilia, Dennis Gaines, our buddy, they get a 38-14 to win over Jennings, so a really nice win for Cecilia. They'll take on Northwest in the semifinals. Division three, non-select. We've got the number one seed, Gina, who gets a 30-7 win over Amit. They'll now take on number four, Union Parish, who got a 28-22 win over Bogalusa. So Gina and Union Parish in Division three, non-select. A quasi-local team, St. James, gets a 40-0 win over Manet. So St. James moves on. They'll take on Sterlington, who got a 33-20 win over Pine. So congratulations to St. James. Bring it home, fellas. Hope you guys win the championship. Division four, non-select. Logansport's the number one seed. They got a 42-34 to win over Welsh. They'll now take on Haynesville. <clears throat> Excuse me, the number four seed who defeated number five, Jenner, at 36-6. So Logansport versus Haynesville in, one, Haynesville in one semifinal. And in another semifinal, we've got Oak Grove who moves on. They get a 31-30 to win over Mangum. Really nice win for Oak Grove. They'll now take on Kentwood. Kentwood's good every season. They get a 48-20 to win over Homer. So congratulations to Kentwood. Congratulations to Oak Grove and also Logansport and Haynesville, your semifinalists in Division Four non-select. Now, we go to Division One select where some crazy things happen. Um, and some crazy things tend to happen in this bracket because everybody in this bracket is are amongst the best teams in the state. So when they face one another in a single elimination tournament, all bets are off. The number one seed, Holy Cross, Dinata, by Adios Amigo. Number eight, Acadiana, beat them on Saturday, 28-14. to Acadiana, the eight seed, moves on. They'll take on Edna Carr, who survived the scare. Alexandria gave Edna Carr everything that they could handle and some, but Carr gets a 40-34 to win. So we've got Acadiana and Carr in one semifinal, that's a Superdome-level matchup. What was another Superdome-level matchup was a quarterfinal matchup between Catholic High of Baton Rouge and John Curtis. Catholic was down two scores in the fourth quarter. Rally back, get an onsides kick, take the lead. Curtis scores with about a minute left to retake the lead. It's looking like it's going to be 35-31 Curtis. Catholic goes down the field in a minute, scores a touchdown with two seconds left to win 38-35 over John Curtis. They'll now take on Cinderella Story Rummel, the 18 seed who defeated St. Paul's 35 to 21. Rummel has won on the road now three straight weeks. They defeated Northwood of Shreveport in the opening round, Captain Shreve in the second round, St. Paul's in the third round. 
all those games on the road. So we got Acadiana and Carr in one semifinal, Catholic, Baton Rouge, and Rumble in the other. Division two select, we had a local team go out. But first, St. Thomas Moore, the number one seed, demolishes St. Michael the Archangel 49 to nothing. They'll now take on Shaw, who won a very physical, hard-fought thriller against John F. Kennedy, 20 to 13. Lafayette Christian does what Lafayette Christian does, and that score a bunch of points and roll. They get a 57 to 21 win over McDonough, 35. They'll never have a rematch with Turlings Catholic. Turlings ended E.D. White's season 42 to 28 on Friday. Turlings and Lafayette Christian played during the season. Lafayette Christian beat them 61 to three. Don't think we're going to see a 61 to three score in the semifinals, but then again, you never know. Division three select. We got St. Charles, the number one seed. We got a 31 to 21 win over Notre Dame. They'll now take on University Lab, who beat Lake Charles College Prep 45 to 13. Talk about a dome matchup. St. Charles and University Lab is going to be incredible. Episcopal falls 31 to 15 against Newman. So Newman, the number three seed, stays rolling. They'll take on Calvary Baptist, the two seed, who beat Parkview 49 to 28. So we got Newman and Calvary Baptist in one semifinal, St. Charles and University in another. And the last bracket that I'll give you is Division Four Select, where Vermilion Catholic escaped. They got a 39 to 35 win over Ascension Catholic in a hard fought game. They'll now take on Riverside, the five seed who upset, slight upset, went on the road and beat number four, St. Martin, 26 to 14. So Vermilion and Riverside in one semifinal. Ouachita Christian, they're the favorite in this bracket. They're a wrecking ball. They got a 56 to nothing win over St. Mary's in the quarterfinals. They'll now take on Southern Lab, who beat Central Catholic 35 to nothing. So congratulations to our local teams for having great seasons and to the semi-local teams, your St. James's and whom and whatnot. We're wishing you all the absolute best of luck going forward. But here's what I want to stress here um, in this segment. We've got a problem in Louisiana, bro, um, or bros, dudes, dudettes, whoever you are that's listening. As I was scrolling social media on Friday night and early Saturday morning and catching up, because because here's the thing, man, like I like to be informed, right? I, I it's it's one thing for me to click a bracket and see, oh, well, Cecilia won 38 to 14. I like to actually read into some of that stuff, see how the game went, you know, see who some of the big playmakers were, see, you know, not just why it, or what the score is, but why a team is winning, how they're winning, what they're doing. And I didn't get a great depiction of that in a lot of these games because one of the big storylines in a lot of these games was bad officiating. We've got to be better. As a state, we've got to be better. Assumption lost on Friday because of bad officiating. They had a touchdown reception, clear as day, taken away from them because of bad officiating. The official said the young man didn't get a foot in bounds. He got both feet in bounds. I saw the replay. If that touchdown goes their way, they don't even need overtime. They win the game in regulation. We've got to do better. The John Curtis and Catholic High game. Catholic High got a first down late in their final drive. Pass to the sideline. Receiver doesn't even come close to getting his foot in bounds. Official comes flying in. Oh, he's in. He's in. First down. Move the chain. We've got to do better. This is not me making fun of any local officials because the two examples that I gave were not even the games officiated by the Bayou region. But as a whole, around the state, we've got to do better because there were at least three, four, five instances that I saw on social media where officiating mistakes went a long way in deciding who moved forward. Those boys and those coaches have been working since last January, whenever their seasons ended, 
and have busted ass throughout the summer, 100-degree days, running stadiums, running 100-yard sprints, and doing everything that you do to get ready for a football season, they should be the ones in control of their own fate in between the white lines, and it should not be bad officiating nor officiating mistakes that are deciding it. I get it. It's a hard job. I hear the referee apologist or even the referees in the area who listen to the show saying, well, well, you couldn't do better. <laughs> Why don't you come try it? It's a hard. I know it's a hard job. I know it's an extremely hard job. That's the reason why I don't try to do it because I don't have the training to do it. But the folks around the state who do have the training and who, by the way, are being paid to do it should be held more accountable because the two misses that I saw this weekend were not close misses, right? I get it. 50-50 calls. Everything's moving fast. There's going to be some that are going to slip through the cracks. I understand that. All I'm asking for is for those guys and gals to make the layups. That call in the assumption game was a layup. And it was a missed layup from the the officials. That's the reason why Assumption's not playing in the semifinals. That call in the John Curtis and Catholic high game was a layup. And it was a missed layup that allowed Catholic to get 10, 12 yards farther down the field, which mattered a whole lot when they scored with two seconds left. We've got to do better. And hopefully, as we get to the semifinals and towards the Dome, we have fewer instances where controversial calls are what's deciding the games and are deciding who moves forward and who goes home because that's not good for the sport and that's not good for anybody involved. It's not fair for anybody involved. So we've got to do better. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Dennis Gaines. His team has been ripping and rolling through the postseason. They're one win away from the Dome. We'll have Dennis on in the next segment. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. The music on the bayou, the all-new Raging Cajun 102.7 FM. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with the all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the confident and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dufresnelumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. At Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. 
our sunshine in a bag I'm useless but not for long the future welcome back to play by play we gave you a rundown of all the scores around the state of Louisiana in the last segment and boy I could not be prouder of this next calling guest that we have on the line which is coach Dennis Gaines with Cecilia coach good morning buddy how are we doing today Man, I'm doing great. How are y'all? Good, man. Good. Uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And then I know on Friday, uh, you know, it, it certainly went your way as you guys get a 38-14 to 14 win against Jennings and move forward. Moving to the semifinals for the first time in your career, brother, as a head coach at least. That's got to be a wonderful feeling, man. Talk about the way the kids competed on Friday. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously it's a good feeling. It's kind of, uh, I, I guess, uh, I think I'm, so sleep deprived sometimes. I don't know what I'm feeling exactly, but it's a no. It's a it's a good thing. Obviously, the kids played hard. Um, you know they've been playing hard, and they've uh, you know they're they're still hungry and they still want to get better. So it's a we're in a good place right now. No doubt, man. Look, you took on a Jennings team that uh, obviously they were good. Everybody in this round is defensively you got a great uh, showing only allowing 14 points and I was following the game early man you guys had to pull away uh, late because they were running with you close early uh, talk about some of the things you guys did differently in the second half that allowed you to get that separation uh, well <laughs> I don't normally do this at halftime but basically the, or somebody asked me what our what was our adjustment I, I just yelled at them basically is all I, <laughs> I mean they, we weren't uh I don't know if the brights were too light at, at, at one point or if it was uh, – I don't know what it was. They just We didn't get off to a good start defensively or we were not checking. Like our checks were – we weren't lined up right. I mean, the 14 points came off of uh, misalignments and not adjusting the motion, which is, you know, stuff that we've been doing since day one. So, uh, you know, who knows what the reason was, but basically just told them to snap out of it and, and – uh, they came back out and were a little bit more, um, you know, they, they were back, they started aligning correctly and adjusting correctly. And then we were able to, uh, you know, keep them scoreless for the second half. Offensively, they came out in the five man front. And I don't think we were, the guys weren't ready for that right away. But, um, you know, it, that was another thing. We were just frustrated because, you know, we've been blocking five man fronts all year. Um, but, you know, it's, it's quarter final round. There's, uh, probably more pressure they put on themselves than they need to, and maybe the brights were uh, the lights were a little bright on Friday, but uh, they snapped out of it second half. Bro, uh, man, you, you have that luxury. Of, uh, it's an offense that if you get behind, you know, ten points, fourteen points, you guys can get back in it right away. Uh, you know, I, I liken it almost like to LSU, man. If you guys just get a few stops, that offense is going to power you forward. They've been scoring on everybody. That's got to be a big luxury, knowing that you got that firepower on your side. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I told the kids yesterday, we, we meet on Sundays now. I was like, you know, I don't love the fact that we're, you know, selling the defense. I don't love the fact that there's times where we got to get bailed out by the offense, you know. Uh, we want this thing to be equal, but uh, but we have a special offense. We have special players. Uh, we got guys with a lot of experience on that side of the ball. So, um, obviously, they're going to be a little bit ahead of the defense. Uh, and they they just, you know, everybody keeps getting better. But, you know, we keep getting better defensively and offensively. and uh, But that keeps kind of the offense is kind of still the, the thing that runs the show. So, um, you know, it's like I was telling you, you know, as long as we have one more point than the other team, I'm happy. But, yeah, it's, it's nice to have an offense that can score. Uh, that's something Clint Harrison's done his entire career. So we're certainly lucky to have him. 
Dennis, um, you know, looking at your next matchup, it's a Northwest team that comes in as a little bit of a Cinderella story. But I got to tell you, I watched almost their whole game with Assumption on Friday night. Uh, they're really good. They're really physical. They're going to play kind of what I would consider old school. They're going to just line up, snap it to a, a back, and have a bunch of offensive linemen and tight ends all over, and they're going to dare you to stop it. Um, you know, They've come in. they got some great playoff wins. They beat Franklin Parrish, Wasman, and beat a very good Assumption team in double overtime. Talk about preparing for that, man. Very few teams still play that way. It was just kind of old school between the tackles, punch you in the mouth. How do you guys prepare for that level of physicality? Well, first of all, I don't know. Uh, you know, Cinderella story, I, I don't know about that. Yeah. This is a damn good football team, man. Like, they're, um, they just constantly have, have improved. If you don't know the story, you might think of it like that way. But, you know, Coach Kurt Ware had, was the head coach over there, and they were running wing T. And then when he took a different job, you know, Chris decided, Chris Edwards came back in, and it, it took a minute to get the offense rolling. But uh, they're rolling, man. They got a lot of very good running backs, uh, really good o offensive line, very big O-line other than they have one pulling guard that's a smaller guy. The rest of them are huge. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of like just smash-mouth football, man. Like, let's go. Uh, uh, you know, I feel like it's the thing that we're the least uh, – it's the, the worst matchup for us defensively because we're, we're really small up front. Um, but I also feel like it's something we've been seeing all year long. I mean, we played Opelousas, who does the same thing. We played Jennings last week, who does the same thing. And we played Notre Dame, and that's their game. And we played Iowa, and that's their game. Um, I'm waiting for a spread team to come along so that I don't have to worry so damn much for the no, it's each week I'm like, great, another smash mouth game, you know. But uh, look, I know how good Assumption was, uh, and they beat Assumption. All they've been doing is beating people. And I told the team last night, like, look, y'all, what they want you to do is go back and look at their schedule, you know, because if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna be like, well, man, we beat all the teams that that they played, and and they lost to some pretty bad teams. And I said, but only a fool would do that. They've just improved so much that they're in this situation. I mean, they beat an 11, a 6, and a 3. I doubt they're going to be scared to come in here and play a 2. Yeah, for sure, man. Look, December football, that's something that only a very select few get the chance to play. Tell me about the health of your team. Obviously, you're going to have some bumps and some bruises. Everybody does. But are you satisfied with the health considering all the games that you guys have played so far? We're, we really, uh, we've really we been really, really uh, lucky with that, man. Um very, very, uh, very blessed. It's a, it's a really good. I mean, we've, we've had very few, you know, big injuries. Uh, we've had some nicks and bruises and stuff like that, but we, we haven't had a lot of, uh, you know, nothing catastrophic. We haven't lost a major player, knock on wood, and and we've kind of uh, escaped. And I think, you know, people have told me that that have won it before. They said you got to get lucky and you got to be healthy. You know, if you want to make it to the dome, and uh, we've been both of those. Yeah, for sure, man. Look, um, you said a second ago you thought the kids were maybe um, I don't know, I don't want to say flustered, but maybe trying to do a little bit too much early, maybe pressing a little bit too much early because of the stakes of the last game. What are you going to tell them before Friday at seven o'clock to let them know? Hey, man, like it's just another football game. We've been doing this all year. Yeah, I mean, I think you know it. It is. They were, I guess plus is the right word, but it was more of like uh, they played a, a good defense, you know. <laughs> Jennings has a good defense, and um, they have a good offense, and 
they made some plays early and it's and then you know we're like oh wait a second <laughs> you know it's like come on man we've been punching them out before you just gotta snap back but uh you know it's just one of those things man they they i think they're gonna be fine on friday i think it was a good learning experience like just snap out of it and and just play um i think they were just frustrated more than anything but you know that's the first time all year we've we've seen that so i don't know um uh, I probably won't say anything that way. You know, hopefully, it, uh, you know, I'll be like a teenager. Hopefully, it just goes away. There you go, bro. Look, Brian and I talk about this often on the show is when you get this late into the game, the instinct as a coach is to watch so much film and try to study and try to figure out every single last intricacy of your opponent. And Brian always says that he told himself later in his career, like, that could be a little bit of a trap. Yeah, you want to know what they do. You want to know their strengths. But – Brian says sometimes teams pay too much attention to the opponent, not enough attention to themselves, and they don't do the stuff that's got them there. How do you juggle those two things? Man, you want to be prepared, but you guys also want to play the way they got you to 11-1, and one, right? So how do you juggle those two roles? Well, I think uh, I think he's absolutely right, and I've never been able to do that in my career. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, but I agree with him. I wish, I wish that was something I could do where I could just turn it off and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what they're doing. It matters what we're doing. And to a certain extent, of course, we're doing that. But, um, you know, for me, it's, it's uh, and I mean, he knows that about me too. So he would, he would be able to tell you I'm, I'm obsessive about it. But uh, I just, I have to know. And I've, I've done a lot better job of making it simpler for the kids, but it, it doesn't keep me from wanting to be able to know everything on my end and make sure that I'm prepared and, uh, I put I try to put a lot less on the kids than when I was at South, but um, you know, yeah, I, I I wish I could do that. I really do. I think I would live longer, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of it is what it is. It's just how I'm built, bro. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this because you're in it right now. You guys are in the semifinals. You've coached a bunch of teams, including a few here that were first and second round teams, and then you coached a couple there at Cecilia that were first and second round teams. This is the first time you guys get to that semifinals. What's the difference between this type of team and those teams that are not able to get to this step? What's the main difference? Well, look, anytime I think, you know, you said it too. I, you know, I thought my last year there, I thought we were going to, I thought we were, we had a chance to go undefeated, but, you know, but the week before the season starts, Harvey Allen gets into a car wreck and, and we move our free safety to, you know, yeah. to, to quarterback, and next thing you know, it's like, whoa, we got to rebuild everything. You know, we, this is not how because we, the main thing we were building around isn't there anymore. And I think so. We talked about that earlier, which is like, you know, injuries. You have to, you know, you have to be, um, you got to be lucky in that area. You know, also, uh, a lot of it has to do with the draw. I mean, these are boring answers, but it's the truth. You no, know? I hear uh, you. Yeah, yeah, it's like. You know, had we beat Southside, we'd have been on the other side of the bracket, and, and maybe we don't like that side as much as we like this side, you know. Uh, it's almost like losing that game was better for us than winning it, you know. Uh, or maybe, you know, when West Feliciana lost the their ninth game of the season, that changed everything, you know, just a lot, or their uh, tenth game. just changes everything, and it's you kind of got to get a good draw. You got to get lucky with that, and that's where it's matchups that fit you. And then uh, – you know, you got to have really good football players, and and we have we've had all of those things so far. Hopefully, we can continue to get them. But um, you know, it's just a, it's a. 
I think uh, if you want to, you know, the the more sexy answer, I would say uh, the men. You got to have kids that have a mentality that um, that are not scared to continue to get better. You know, and you got to have coaches that are are willing and aware that hey, and recognize if you're not getting better as the season goes. You know, my first year at South, I tell people all the time, the worst thing could have happened to me is we go undefeated. You know, because uh, then people thought I knew what I was doing. <laughs> you know, but uh, that as great a season as that was, and it's I think about it all the time. It's one of my favorite seasons, if not my favorite season I've ever coached. Um, the, the thing that as a rookie head coach that I did not notice is that around we peaked around week probably seven, and, and I don't know how much better we got. But and you know people say it all the time. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And uh, it, it's not necessarily that you're getting worse, but everybody else is getting better, yeah. or at least the good, the good teams and the good coaches. And um, that's a lesson I had to learn the hard way, uh, as we know. But uh, it's a lesson that I, I'll never forget, and that I made sure to continue. You know, as my career went on, to make sure that 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 didn't happen again. So we we just stress getting better every single week, uh, including this week. Um, and and they always respond. Good stuff, Dennis. Look, we thank you so much for the time, bro. Good luck, man. We're rooting for you guys big. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Yep, that is Coach Dennis Gaines doing an excellent job. We're so super proud of the work that he's done there at Cecilia. And he's a tarpon forever, man. He uh he looks at the tarpon scores every Friday. He says he wishes those boys well. A lot of the guys that he coached are now on staff. I would love nothing more than to see Cecilia beat Northwest and then make it to the Dome and win the championship. That man deserves a ring on his finger. There's no one in this business who works harder than Dennis Gaines does. He is in the office until 2, 3 a.m. Some nights not even going home, sleeping at the office. I mean, that's just the way that he is. It's the way he's wired. And uh, he's going to be ready to go. His team's going to be ready to go. And we wish him nothing but the best of luck. Let's catch a break. When we get back, Coach Brian Kiley will be joining us. It's play-by-play. We're going to rib the old coach about the Saints, but we'll also talk some high school basketball and some different things in between. We'll be right back after this. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the comfort and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. Entergy Louisiana is strengthening our power grid from Lake Charles to Baton Rouge, Metairie to Monroe. Our blueprint covers the state. Nearly 10,000 projects, over 11,000 miles of transmission line. We're reinforcing infrastructure to prepare for stronger storms, reduce outages, and respond quicker when you do need us. We're making stronger connections in every community because together we power life. 
During this holiday season, our thoughts turn gracefully to those who have made our progress possible. And in this spirit, we say sincerely thank you and best wishes for the holiday season and a happy new year from everyone at Ashley Barrios State Farm Insurance. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Welcome back to Play by Play. Casey Gisclair here. Hope everybody's enjoying their Monday as much as we are. We go to the phone lines and we have a uh, former South Lafouche boys basketball coach and athletic director, and now uh, one of our colleagues here and co host here on the Sports Corner and also Play by Play, Coach Brian Colley, who has his caravan headed from Georgia to back to Louisiana. He told me a minute ago he's out in the Mississippi area. Coach, good afternoon, buddy. How are we doing today? Hey, good afternoon. Doing well. Good, man. Look, uh, Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way first. Uh, you were in Atlanta yesterday watching the New Orleans Saints just shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. You you have a pick six in the red zone. You have another drive stall in the red zone where the wide receiver is not even running a route and cars just throwing it into the tunnel. Um, you get gashed defensively. They run for 200-plus yards. There are a lot of people on social media today that are basically saying what you and I have been saying for about a month. We're done. Uh, something has to happen. There's some great changes that need to be made. You were there in person. Was it as bad as it looked on TV, my man? Oh, yeah, it was uh, very bad. And, look, we talked about it during the week where we were concerned that Atlanta was going to run the ball against the Saints, and they did. Offensive-wise, they moved the ball in time. When they got to the red zone, they just filled it out. They get a penalty with pushing back, and they couldn't overcome these penalties. Uh, in the red zone, and uh, it's no secret, Derek Carr is a terrible quarterback. He's uh, he, he's bad. The coaching is is not happening. This team for week eleven was so unprepared. You should not have. And I get it; they have some injuries with their receivers, and new receivers have to come in. But Derek Carr. And the receivers were not on the same page when they were. Carr would throw the ball and back the receivers, or he would lead them too far ahead in their routes. It was just a, a, a very bad performance. In case I can give you one stat that, as an organization, it's it's sad, it's embarrassing, however you want to call it. And the, I think it's the last 32 offensive possessions for the Saints. They had, I think, three touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll add to that stat. I'll add to that stat. Only one of those 32 drives ended with Derek Carr doing something to, to get you a touchdown. The others were Taysom Hill. Well, yeah, it, it's Winston 2, Taysom Hill 1. So Carr wasn't even involved. That's unreal, man. That's your starting quarterback. So that tells you right there a move needs to be made. I don't care about the money. It's You made a mistake. Why keep this mistake around? They need to, if it's Winston, go at Winston. Taysom Hill, go at Taysom Hill. And 
get through this season because this is not a playoff team. This should not be a playoff team. And uh, it's an embarrassing performance. And Dennis Allen should be held accountable. Look, man, uh, one of the things that was you know, kind of saving Dennis Allen all this time was the fact that he was able to say, well, look, I'm not an offensive guy, right? You know, this isn't all the way my fault. My side of the ball is defense. My defense is really good. Well, yesterday in the fourth quarter, Atlanta said, you know what? We're lining up and we're running the ball up the middle and you're not stopping us. And I think that what's going to end up doing Dennis Allen in is that it was his one out. Hey, give me an offseason. I'll get a new coordinator. Now he can't even say that because his defense isn't even playing well anymore, man. You give up 230-something yards rushing against a, a team that you know is going to run the ball because their quarterback can't do anything else. It was not a good showing from that defense, a defense that frankly has gotten worse as the year has gone on. Yeah, Casey, they look old and they look slow. Their reaction time, it, it seems off. You had some deflected passes and it's like, react to the ball. They're slow in reacting and missed a couple of interceptions and they can't tackle. They're a poor tackle football team and again, that's all on, on Dennis Allen and to not have your team prepared for, for this type of rivalry game is uh, it's just an, a bad look for their organization. Coming off the bye week where you had time to make changes, you didn't do it just uh it's frustrating and like you just said a lot of people are done with them yeah it's crazy man look saturday whoo you got a, a christmas miracle on saturday alabama is down against auburn it's fourth and goal from the 31 yard line it's looking highly likely that the tide are going to lose their second game and be fully knocked out of playoff contention but then the miracle strikes for some reason Auburn rushes just two guys and Milrose you know make having a picnic in the pocket and he eventually finds a one-on-one matchup throws it up the tie get the win over Auburn it's not an impressive win but it's a win is a win and they give themselves a chance now to maybe go upset Georgia on Saturday that's the first part of it which is great that they were able to get the win from their perspective but the second part of it is if you don't play better Saturday than what you did against Auburn you're going to get hammered out in, in the SEC championship game. So what do you make of the Tide, man? Crazy game out there. Yeah, well, the, the past few weeks, Alabama was playing much better, uh, limited to penalties, the silly penalties, the low mistakes. They didn't have as many. Uh, they kind of went back to the, the Alabama at the beginning of the season where uh, untimely penalties, just mistakes, snapping the ball when you're not ready in the red zone and things like that. But they overcame it uh, at the end, got lucky, and got that play uh, officiated. I think on both sides it was not very good. And uh, but Alabama overcame it, again, got lucky. And you're right, they're going to have to play 100 times better come Saturday if they're going to try and have any chance against Jordan. Let's talk about high school. That's the bread and butter of the show. Um, we've got 32 teams left playing in the state football playoffs, uh, four apiece in all of the eight brackets. Uh, I had Dennis Gaines on in the last segment, and he was telling me about how excited he and his team are and how uh, they've had such a wonderful year. Whether Was there anything that stood out to you on Friday, man? Uh, I mentioned it earlier in, in the show. The officiating stood out to me, and that's not something you ever want to hear, but it was bad around the state. There were a lot of very controversial and, and calls that decided games. That wasn't very good. But then I also thought that it was interesting that we got a bunch of teams seated in the 20s, and we got a team that's seated 18th. And like 
These bracket usually the the power rating system produces pretty damn close to what it ends up being. But we've had some upsets this year, and we got some Cinderella stories that are playing out. We might have some weird matchups in the dome, much weirder than what, than what we thought. Yeah, look, I, I was uh, I was kind of uh, shocked a little bit at Holy Cross got beat. I know it's a kid, Indiana, but Holy Cross was a really good football team. That kind of took me uh, a little loop there that they got beat. Uh, I thought John Curtis was going to play a little bit better in the playoffs. It did. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get the win if you're a Patriots fan. But, yeah, Casey looked officiated. We spoke about it a little bit on Saturday. Uh, it was not uh, up to par for the playoffs. And one thing, I don't know who called, I don't, you know, whatever, but did we have the best officials from these associations? Too many times. And, look, you know this, I know this. We hear it from the local officials and officials around the area where – the better officials are not getting the playoff games because there's favoritism yep. in some of these organizations. So could it be that the best officials were not on the field on Friday night? I, I don't know. But uh, they have to do better uh, as a whole because uh, high-stakes games, and it's, it's a shame where assumptions going to be sitting at home next Friday. So let's talk about this. Is it is the season opener for Coach Brody Williams and the South Lafouche boys basketball team tonight? They're taking on Thibodeau. So the question I'm going to ask you is this. Do, is, it, is it more helpful to not have any tape out there and Thibodeau's kind of coming in blind, not really knowing what to focus on? Or is it more helpful to have the experience where it'll be Thibodeau's fourth game and South Lafouche's first? Which one is a bigger edge? Would you rather be the team that – maybe isn't as heavily scouted, or would you rather be the team that has some skins under your belt and has played a couple of games already? Well, the, the thing with, with film, you can have all the fam, film in the world. You have to do something with that film. And uh, your kids have to watch it. Your kids have to be prepared and knowing what's going on on the court. So Coach Brody can have – he can know what Thibodeau's going to do if it's not related to the kids and the kids are not watching film. A lot of times it, it doesn't matter. And I think that the three games that Thibodeau played is going to help them. They won't have any rust. They're going to be coming off its three uh, defeats. But they played and they got to work on different things and improve. The Tarpons coming in with this first game of the season, they might have a little bit rust. Some of these football guys might take them a few weeks to get into basketball shape. So uh, in that aspect, I think it would help Thibodeau out tonight. You've seen Thibodeau a couple times. I saw them once on Wednesday, and I also saw them in the Jamboree. Um, without knowing a whole lot about the Tarpons' rotations and who's going to be out there, what are some things you think South Lafouche is going to have to do well tonight to defend their home floor and get to 1-0 in the season? I think they got to make it a half-court game. Uh, Thibodeau has struggled to shoot the ball. Now, from game one to game three, Thibodeau has improved already on the season. Uh I think he's got to make it a half-court game. They struggle to shoot the basketball or to score the basketball. So if you put them in a half-court uh, set and if they have trouble shooting or scoring, I think it can help the Tarpons. But the Tarpons are going to have to rebound the basketball. You cannot give the Tigers offensive rebounds and putbacks. And, again, uh, Thibodeau's pressure, uh, they're getting better and better at it. And, so you don't, you don't want to have a full-court game where they can pressure you uh, the full length of the court. There we go. Sounds like a winner, bro. Thanks so much for the time. Look forward to seeing you later in the week, man. We miss you, bro, uh, but y'all be safe on the road. 
Yep, will do. Thanks for having me. Yep, that is Coach Brian Colley doing an excellent job as always. We look forward to having him back in the studio to, uh, to lend a hand. We always like to get his perspective and, and you know, kind of shifting. I'll talk about Tarpon basketball a little bit here as they take on Thibodeau. Um, I think Coach is right. Uh, you got to make it a more half-court game. Thibodeau's going to want to pressure you. They're going to want to get but, – but look, they struggle in half-court offense. Scoring for them in the half-court, that's not their strength. So where they're going to want to score is, all right, we're going to get a steal. We're going to get in transition. We're going to have a four-on-two break. They want to get a bunch of easy ones. So if the Tarpons could slow them down and not allow them to get so many easy ones, then I think it plays into South Lafouche's South Lafouche's favor in a big way. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the young Tarpons because here's the thing, man. And, and, and Brody, if you're listening, this is not a criticism, not at all. It, it's just an opinion. And, and to be honest, um, I think it's an opinion that, that Coach Brody actually even shares. I, I think that last year South Lafouche made a little bit of a mistake not playing some of their younger guys, but they had some ninth and ninth graders that I think could have maybe helped them on varsity. They had a chance there to maybe get those guys a little bit of experience at times last year. Didn't take full advantage of that. So I'm going to be curious to see for a Terrence Petrie who's expected to be your starting point guard and you know some of those other young Sawyer Wells is supposed to have a role and and you know Dardar and some of these other pieces that are expected to see some time. Will there be a learning curve? Will there be some growing pains there because it is their first varsity action. Now, these are all kids that have played high-level summer AAU basketball. These are all kids that have been playing basketball at a high level throughout the course of their lives, right? So I don't think they'll be intimidated, but how soon and how quickly can they get comfortable and get acclimated to that speed might already have happened. They might be ready, 100% ready to go tonight. But I, I touch on what Coach said a second ago. I do think Thibodeau has a little bit of an edge is that they're not going to have those first game jitters, right? Now, the the way that South Lafouche could combat that is by getting off to a strong start because while Thibodeau has three games under their belt, they have three games under their belt that were all in their home gym. They have zero games under their belt playing on the road in a wild environment and in front of rowdy fans. So if the Tarpons could do something early in the game to keep those fans into it, Get that student section making noise and hooting and hollering, and you can maybe offset the advantage that they have of having three games under their belt. It should be a good one. Uh, JV at six, varsity at uh, seven fifteen ish. You got the Tarpons and the Tigers. Should be a really fun matchup, and we look forward to breaking down that one tomorrow, as well as a bunch of the other games in the area. Let's catch a break. When you get back, I'm going to tell you my thoughts on the New Orleans Saints. Um, I'm going to be pretty pissed off in the next segment. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Chad Boudreaux, owner-president of Joe's Septic Contractors. One of the real joys of the holiday season is the opportunity to say thank you and to wish everyone a happy holiday and new year filled with wealth, happiness, and prosperity. From the staff of Joe's Septic and the entire Boudreaux family. Get some of the best deals of the year at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. It's their Black Friday sales event. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks, vans, cars, and SUVs. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business or home life. Choosing the right one should be easy. Get a great deal on your dream car, SUV, or truck today at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! Calvin Braxton Ford is your brand new car dealer in Lockport, Louisiana. They cannot wait for you to stop in and take a look at their big town inventory and small town prices. Schedule your test drive today and let one of their trained sales staff help you every step of the way. Their skilled management team ensures that you'll have a phenomenal experience, whether it be sales, service, parts, or financing. Ford, the number one brand in America. Stop by today at Calvin Braxton Ford, 5878 Highway 1 in Lockport. Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, the New Orleans Saints fell yesterday in Atlanta 24-15 against the Falcons. The Falcons are now first place in the division. It's play-by-play here, Casey, just clear. Before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the segment, I want to thank my sponsors for allowing us to be here. If I could find my doggone sheet. Here we go. The Blue Boot Foundation, Golden Motors, where price is priority, located in Highway 3235 and Cutoff. Dufresne Building Materials, uh, experience the Dufresne difference with eight locations. Cutoff, Thibodeau, Belchase, Luling, Slidell, Araby, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. We thank them all so much for the time and so much for the support. Um, the Saints fell in Atlanta yesterday, and, and it was just um, the frustrating thing. And look, this, this I'm not even a fan of the team, but I feel for the people who are because this is an organization that has done everything wrong for the last now upwards of three, four years, right? What we're seeing now is the culmination of years worth of mistakes, years worth of not being honest with yourself, right? Remember last week I asked Brian on this show, I said, Brian, what's the most important trait of being a coach. And he gave his answer, you know, hey, you got to have knowledge and you got to be good schematically, you got to be able to motivate people, whatever. I said that I think the most important trait that someone in sports has to have is self-honesty and accountability, is that you have to know and understand when you're not good at something and have to be willing to accept that change has to happen as opposed to just making excuses and trying to convince yourself that it's everybody's fault but your own. For now, three or four years, the Saints should have been in rebuild mode. But yet for three or four years now, they have been in kick the can down the road, make the salary cap a bigger problem tomorrow because today we're going to try to chase that one more ring. And that is absolutely positively not what New Orleans should be doing right now. You are a Saints team that in this offseason 
whiffed on several of your draft picks, two off seasons ago whiffed on several of your draft picks. You hired an 8-28 and guy as your head coach to replace the most winningest coach in franchise history. You signed in a $150 million deal a quarterback who was 63-79 and as a starter. Married two losers together and expected non-losing results. And the problem for New Orleans right now, and this is going to rub people the wrong way. I don't care. I'm telling it to you like it is because I, I was the only one over the summer telling you that Derek Carr wouldn't be a big upgrade over Andy Dalton. Do you guys remember that? Go back into the archives. I said on this show multiple times, Derek Carr is not a better quarterback than Andy Dalton. I compared their stats side-by-side on this show. Last year, Dalton had a better touchdown-to-interceptions ratio. Dalton had a better completion percentage. Dalton had more yards per attempt. Dalton was a better quarterback last year than Derek Carr was. And I tried to warn you all all summer long. Oh, he's a hater. Oh, he just don't like New Orleans. No, I'm the only one who could see the trees from the forest. Because you're a Saints organization right now that is being run by a general manager that should have been fired three, four, five years ago for how irresponsible irresponsible he was at the end of Drew Brees' career, not having a backup plan already ready in that organization to replace Drew Brees. A guy who continually trades draft capital and and for, uh, forgoes the future to try to win today. A today where you're not good enough to win because of some of the defections that you've had by trying to manipulate your cap. You lose Caden Ellis. You, you lose Anyamata. You lose peace. Every Sunday I'm watching a team that has a former Saints player making plays because you have lost all of your depth trying to win now. Oh, one more. Let's go get one more. Let's win one more. That win one more today crap is why you are where you are right now, which is buried in the middle. It's a New Orleans team. I don't trust the general manager to make a drastic move. And even if he does, it's the same general manager who hired Dennis Allen. So what's the promise and what's the guarantee that the next guy's going to be any better? And it's an ownership group that I don't think knows even where they are on any given day. So they don't have any inclination to fix anything because I don't think they have enough knowledge to know what's even broken. Most of the owners in the NFL are billionaire business people who have been in situations where they've had to rebuild a business or, or, or grow a business or grow something into something that's worth looking at. The New Orleans Saints ownership is comprised of a woman who married a rich dude, right? And I don't think it's any coincidence. We could blame whoever we want to blame. We could blame whatever we want to blame. I don't think it's a coincidence that since that new ownership took over when Mr. Benson passed away, both the basketball team and the football team have done the exact same thing, and they've just existed. Not bad enough to get better, not good enough to win at the highest level. They've just existed. So it's a very clear sign from ownership that just being okay is is all that we're really striving for here. In the offseason, you've got to fire Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen has proven time and time again he is not a winning NFL coach. Not at the head coach level. He's a good coordinator, not at the head coach level. In the offseason, you've got to reevaluate how you handle your front office operations. I don't think Mickey Loomis should be deciding this roster anymore. 
the same Mickey Loomis who has made nothing but bad draft picks and nothing but bad free agent signings in recent years. Everything that the Saints have done in recent years has backfired. It's time to reevaluate how you're doing things in that locker room. Because right now you have had the easiest schedule in the NFL with what I perceive as a roster that has some dudes that could play. But you haven't built a team around some of those talented individuals to thrive. And now what you're seeing is what I said it was going to be all summer. The veteran players are getting hurt. The cancerous players in the locker room are hurt allegedly. And you got Michael Thomas tweeting yesterday about play calling while not playing because that's what he does best, tweeting and not playing. And you got half of your team that's in the injury tent by the third quarter. It is an absolute mess. And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to give you my lock of the week right now. The Lions are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Saints in the Dome. The Lions are coming off of Thanksgiving where they're going to have extended time to prepare, coming off of a Thanksgiving Day loss where they're going to be pissed off and the Saints are going to be a shell of themselves with all the injuries. The Lions are going to beat the hell out of New Orleans Sunday. Lions minus three-and-a-half is free money. The Lions are going to beat the hell out of New Orleans on Sunday. That's a freebie. They're going to come into the Dome, and they're going to kick the Saints' ass on Sunday. It's a New Orleans team that needs a new identity. They need a new voice, and I think it's time that we flush every last piece of residue from the Sean Payton era away and start new. Sean's not here anymore. He's at Denver, and oh, by the way, he's got a better record than you now, right? So he is head and shoulders better than what you got now. Don't fall into the Ed Ogeron trap of, oh, I lost Joe Brady, so now i got to get a coordinator to come in and run Joe Brady's offense, but it's not going to be as good as the Joe Brady offense because it's not actually Joe Brady. The Saints need to fully redo their culture and get completely away from the Peyton stuff. We don't need a Peyton coordinator head coach in the team. We don't need a general manager from the Peyton area running the team. We need new blood in this organization, or you're going to keep getting the same results. Because your head coach has never won before and your quarterback has never won before. So when you marry the two together, why in the hell would all of a sudden you become a 12 or 13 win team? Ain't going to happen. Doesn't work that way. New Orleans could not score in the red zone yesterday. That is a continual theme. New Orleans couldn't stop the run yesterday. That's becoming a continual theme. Atlanta rushed for 228 on him yesterday. New Orleans forced turnovers, got two interceptions, couldn't do anything with them. That's becoming a continual theme. Derek Carr is atrocious in the red zone. That is a continual theme. He has the third lowest pass percentage in red zone in the entire NFL. Everybody can move the ball from the 30 to the 30 in the NFL. Every team in the league moves the ball from the 30 to the 30. The teams that win are the teams that once they get inside of the 30 score touchdowns. New Orleans has not shown an ability to do that. And it's a team right now that is lost, seeking answers, and I don't think that they have the right people in place to give them those answers. So I think it's going to be a rough rest of the year. And if they don't make drastic changes in the offseason, it's going to be a rough next four or five years. Because I think right now is the time where they should be looking this coming offseason at starting a rebuild, getting younger, getting uh, replacements for some of these veteran players. Because right now you're old. You're stagnant, you're stale, and you ain't going nowhere. I don't give a you know, they still might win the NFC South. I don't give a damn. You are not even near the best teams in the NFC, and I don't know that I trust your plan to get there. 
It's play-by-play. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll talk about the LSU football team. The Tigers got a win over Texas A&M. Then we got our W's and our L's a little later in the show. So stick around. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. No more mold. No more damage. No more outdated old bathroom. No more slipping and hurting. No more stress. Make your ordinary bathroom extraordinary for only $99 per month. New shower, new door, new tub, new wall, new anti-slip technology. Be stress-free. Call 800-770-5322. BCI Bath & Shower is made in America for the highest quality. Ask about our military and senior discounts. Your dream bathroom in as little as one day. First 50 callers save $1,500 on a never-clear glass-treated door. Call now for free premium color upgrades. 800-770-5322. Call BCI Bath & Shower, the leader in bathroom remodeling. Be smart, safe, and stay a step ahead of inflation with our interest-free financing options. Call 800-770-5322. Love your bathroom with free upgrades. Call 800-770-5322. That's 800-770-5322. Advanced Eye Institute and Cutoff is your hometown eye care provider. Dr. Darby Chasson is here to serve the eye care needs of your entire family. Full-service eye medical and vision services are provided in a friendly atmosphere. For the latest in designer frames to advancements in astigmatism and bifocal contact lenses, call Advanced Eye Institute at 985-632-2884 for your appointment today or visit our website at visionsourceadvancedeyecutoff.com. What's up? This is Casey Gisclair, and this is why I choose State Bank for all my banking needs. State Bank is a local bank, which means you get a taste of home when you walk through the doors. The bank's motto is Cajun Banking, serve just the way you like it, and that's for a reason, because you're always greeted by a real banker who provides smiling service. But State Bank also has the latest banking technologies, which means you get the best without having to sacrifice that personal touch that we all love. So go visit them today at one of their many locations. They're proud bankers serving a proud community. Resilient bankers serving a resilient community at State Bank now 70 years strong. Raceland Auto Center wants to express that during the holiday season, their thoughts turn gratefully to those who have made their success possible. It is in that spirit that they want to say thank you and send best wishes for the holidays and new year. Happy holidays from Raceland Auto Center. Welcome back to Play by Play here. Casey just glare. We talked about the Saints in the last segment. By the way, we want to thank Coach Brian Colley and Coach Dennis Gaines for their time. Um, our local coaches are, are always so gracious with their time, um, and we, we appreciate them very, very much. So, um, LSU got a win over Texas A&M and ended their regular season in style, getting a 42-30 to win. Always one of the more satisfying things because, God, dog, I hate Texas A&M, man. Oh. <laughs> Everything about them. Um, yeah, not my cup of tea. Um but it was a struggle. The Aggies didn't make LSU work for it. They were actually up two scores in the second half, were leading 24-14 to and looked to be in control of the game. But the Tigers go down the field and get a touchdown to make it 24-21 and then dominate the fourth quarter and start to actually play some pretty good defense in the second half to get a 42-30 to win. So uh, a couple of things. On the positive end first, Jaden Daniels was incredible again. Um, four touchdowns passing, 120 yards rushing. He ends the regular season with 40 touchdowns and four interceptions and and more than 1,000 yards rushing. He should be the Heisman Trophy winner, head and shoulders above everyone else. 
Don't know if that's how it's going to play out, but to me, there's no doubt who the best player in the country is. Um, so that's really exciting. What's also really exciting is, is, is I really think that um, one of the big strengths and one of the things, and I was thinking about this yesterday, one of the big things that gives me optimism about LSU in the future is that if you think about, I really think one of the, the big um, strengths of Brian Kelly is his ability to develop players. I think that if you think about it and you look at the LSU roster, the guys who are on the field this year, Daniels, Neighbors, Thomas, um, some of the other pieces, by and large, LSU's returnees this season have all pretty much gotten better as players, like drastically better. Malik Neighbors went from being a low-end number one receiver to the best receiver in the country. Jaden Daniels went from being a middle-of-the-pack SEC quarterback to being the best player in the country. So while LSU is a young team, and they got some young dudes in some certain spots. Will Campbell's another example. He was the starting left tackle this year as a sophomore, didn't allow a sack all year. I think that one of the strengths of Brian Kelly and his coaching staff is that the fact that they could they could take a player and really mold them into something that is a much better player. So when we're relating that to the LSU defense, this is where we kind of get into the negative conversation of, man, that defense just still isn't very good. I think in the offseason, we're going to see those freshman defensive backs that are playing right now get better. Um, some of those underclassmen who are going to be back next season, I think they're going to develop and they're going to get better. Um, because it's an LSU secondary that that's just not very good. Um, you've had to spend half of the season playing Harold Perkins in coverage half of the time because he's as good in coverage as most of your cornerbacks are. It's a youthful group that doesn't read the ball well in the air. How often do you see an LSU defensive back not turn and is just running stride for stride with the receiver, looking at the receiver and not the ball? Could have had so many turnovers this year if they had that fundamental technique down. So many times this season, it's third and eight, and instead of closing on the receiver short of the sticks, we see the LSU defensive backs just keep up, keep backpedaling, give up the six-yard catch, and then four or five yards of running after because the LSU defensive backs are just playing too soft. That's a technique thing. That's that's a awareness thing, and those are things that got to get fixed. Because right now, look, there's there's no sugarcoating it. You got to get better on that side of the ball because the big concern and the big um, scare that I have from LSU's perspective is if you don't fix your defense. You're not going to be as good offensively next year. It's going to be impossible to be this good offensively again next year. So instead of winning games 40 to 30 like you've been doing down the stretch here, you might start losing games 30 to 24 if you don't fix your defense. So hopefully it's an LSU team that could start to uh, make some of those strides. Now, going to a bowl, I, here's the thing. Don't expect to see Jaden Daniels in the bowl. Malik Neighbors has said he's going to play because he wants to break the record. But once he breaks the record, don't expect to see him in the bowl. Don't expect to see some other pieces in the bowl. That's the nature of the beast. And if it causes you to perhaps maybe lose the bowl game, hey, that it is what it is. But at the end of the day, I, I am kind of hoping to not see Jaden Daniels in the bowl because I know what he could do. LSU's coaching staff needs a full game with Nussmeyer out there, not coming in in relief when somebody's hurt in the middle of a third down. We need to see what he could do with time to prepare and a plan put in place for his strengths. Because if Nussmeyer plays in the bowl and looks flustered like he's done sometimes this season when Daniels has gone down, 
then you might need to go portal shopping again, right? You might need to go find you a quarterback somewhere to add some depth and to give some different options. But if Daniels plays the bowl and, and he gets all the first team reps for a month and he comes out in the bowl and throws for 400 yards passing and four touchdowns and no interceptions, then maybe you feel you enter the offseason feeling a little better about things. But either way, I think it'll be nice to find out. Another thing that I really like is the fact that I, I, I think that even after the Alabama loss, right, which was heartbreaking, right? You go to Tuscaloosa, you have a chance to win the West. You slip up. It doesn't happen for you. How many times in years past would we see LSU teams have that happen and then they just completely shut it down for the rest of the year? We didn't see that from this year's group. It's a group that continued to play, continued to compete, and continued to get better. And I think that that's a good sign. You win your last three, you set yourself up to try to win 10 games. I think that's a very good sign for a Tiger team that now awaits their fate um, going forward. Brian Kelly reiterated he's going to be a Tiger over the long haul. He reiterated that this weekend. I don't think he was ever seriously considering any of those other jobs, but it is good to hear that he wants to be with the program for the long haul. One guy who may not be with their program for the long haul is Willie Fritz. I'm seeing Willie Fritz's name, and as the Tulane head football coach, for those not aware, I'm seeing Willie Fritz's name linked to a lot of different jobs. That's not a coincidence. That's not an accident. When a person's name is out there for that many jobs, they are shopping themselves either for a raise at their current school or they're actively interested in moving on. Last year, case in point, great example, Austin Clunch, the Nickel State University men's basketball coach. He was rumored to be a finalist for every coach that was open under the sun. He was denying it. Oh, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. He didn't get one job, didn't get the next job. And then, oh, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. Then about two weeks later, it was announced that he was going to Alabama to be an assistant. He was set that he was not going to be back at Nichols, and the proof was in the pudding. When you start putting your name out there for every job that's open, you're very much so willing to listen and very much so willing to see what's out there. Uh, so Tulane, it might be Willie Fritz's last game with Tulane on Saturday when they take on SMU in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. This weekend in college football, we've got Oregon and Washington, uh, big playoff implications there. We got Texas and Oklahoma State, big playoff implications there. Georgia and Alabama, Michigan and Iowa, Louisville and Florida State. So we're going to have a pretty good idea after Saturday night um, that you know who's going to the playoff teams are going to be and what it's going to end up looking like. And we certainly look forward to a wonderful Saturday of watching some some athletics or some college athletics. Um, the NFL worst Carolina Panthers have fired their head football coach today. Frank Wright gets the axe after just 12 games. It's the second straight season that Carolina fires a first-year coach mid-year. Um, and Wright will end his tenure with a 1-10 record. Carolina is in uh, shambles. I mean, just really bad place. They are 1-10, but don't have their first-round pick. So the Bears will be the recipients of that first-round pick and are likely going to get a quarterback that is better than the quarterback that the Panthers traded that pick for in Bryce Young. Um, so if you're a New Orleans fan, if there's anything that gives you any sort of solace or any sort of hope, it's the fact that you're not as much of a mess as at least one of the other teams in your division is because Carolina is, um, man, just just not looking good. And I don't know that their future is very bright when you consider the lack of resources that they have to try to get better. Um, Got to give some love to the NBA. Uh, the Pelicans did beat my Clippers this weekend, 
And then they lost against Utah in the second half of a back-to-back. Zion continued his, I'm not playing second halves of back-to-backs, but I'm not even going to be as critical about that, right? Because that's, that's beating a dead horse. I, I've, I've given my thoughts on that ad nauseum. I think it's really impressive how well he played on Friday against the Clippers. He was 13 of 25 from the field, being guarded by P.J. Tucker and at times Kawhi Leonard, at times James Harden. Um, and he was he was dominant. You know, he was he was very, very good in the game. The thing that was most impressive to me about New Orleans' win at Los Angeles was the fact that they were up 20 in the first quarter, blew the whole lead, and were down for a lot of the fourth quarter. Usually, historically, that's all right, pack up the tent. We'll see you tomorrow in Utah time for New Orleans. But they showed guts to me coming back and making that last run and getting a win on the road. That that showed some guts, and I was very um, happy to see that New Orleans was able to – I mean, I wasn't rooting for them to win. They're facing my team. But I was happy to see that they had that toughness because I don't know that previous Pelican teams have had that toughness. Um, hopefully they could keep that train rolling as they continue to get healthy. They're at Utah again tonight. Zion should be available tonight maybe could get a different result for a Pelicans team that's 9-8. and eight. And it's just trying to be consistent, man. That's the number one thing for them. It's consistency. Consistency in who's playing, because that's been inconsistent, and consistency in the level with which they're playing, because it's a team that is 9-8, and eight, but I think should be a little further along than that, given some of the continuity that they have. But they're going to be getting C.J. McCollum back soon, and hopefully they can make a little bit of a push. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll get to our W's and L's. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this quick timeout. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. During this festive season, we extend our warmest wishes to you and your loved ones. May your holidays be filled with joy and may the upcoming year bring you even more reasons to smile. From all of us at South LaFouche Bank, have a wonderful holiday. I know that we're here to wish you nothing but the best. Terrebonne General Multi-Specialty Clinic, we're dedicated to your well-being. Our expert team of healthcare professionals offers convenient, comprehensive medical care in one trusted location. Whether you're dealing with common illnesses like cold and flu, diabetes, breathing issues, or need help managing your health, our caring and knowledgeable staff are here to treat your symptoms. Call 985-873-4729 or visit tghealthsystem.com to schedule your same or next day appointment. Good times are here again with fun new scratch-offs from the Louisiana Lottery. You want some fast cash? Then check out Quick Cash. Win up to $1,000. Go ahead. Make my week. Make your week fun with Make My Week. Lots of $100 prizes. And you could win up to $12,000. Bingo! I got bingo! Make sure your numbers fall right into place. It's everyone's favorite bingo game. Play Cash Line Bingo. Top prize is a whopping $30,000. There you have it, Quick Cash, Make My Week, and Cash Line Bingo. A trio of fun games from the lottery. Win up to $30,000. 
visit any lottery retailer and pick up all three today for your chance to win. The Louisiana Lottery, giving you a reason to smile. Must be at least 21 to purchase. The deputies of the Lafouche Parish Sheriff's Office remind you to designate a driver if you plan to drink this holiday season. By driving impaired, you endanger others as well as yourself. Designate a driver anytime you plan to drink. Have a safe and happy holiday season. From the Lafouche Parish Sheriff's Office. One segment to go here on play-by-play. Play. We hope everybody's enjoying their day. We've got our W's and our L's. The first W that we hand out, got to go to my Cowboys. The Cowboys get a Thanksgiving 45-10 to 10 win over the Commanders and continue to play well. Dak Prescott, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Tony Pollard got going, 13 carries, 79 yards. Four different players scored the passing touchdowns for the Cowboys. Brandon Cook, C.D. Lamb, Kevontae Turpin, and Rico Dowdle. Uh, defensively, you're causing chaos. You get another pick six from Deron Bland. You get big performances from uh, you know Hankins and Micah Parsons. It's a Cowboys team that is really good at being the bully. When they play bad teams, boy, they're going to beat the hell out of you. And they beat the Commanders 45-10 to 10 and improved to 8-3 and three on the year. A weekend L will go to... Get the D, get the D. Let me see. My list just froze up. Okay. It's going to go to the New Orleans Saints red zone offense. I mean, predictably so, right? New Orleans was not very good in the red zone again. Had to kick field goal after field goal after field goal after field goal. I don't understand um, why we're not seeing Taysom Hill more down there. It felt like he was getting four or five yards a pop. Instead, we're seeing a lot of car throwing the ball to a lot of receivers that frankly aren't open. Um, and we're seeing an offense that is really, really good at one thing, and that's squandering their opportunities to get points on the board. So an L goes there. A weekend W goes to Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are six and five. Who would have thought um, that the Broncos would be six and five after their one and five start? They have won five in a row. They they blasted Cleveland yesterday, twenty nine to twelve. Denver is better offensively than they were last year. They're better defensively than they were earlier in the year, and they're doing what a well coached team does progressing as the year goes on. I know that's a foreign concept here in New Orleans because of the way that Dennis Allen runs his team, but believe it or not, it is still legal in the NFL to get better as the year goes on, and that's exactly what Denver has done, getting to 6-5. and five. A weekend W goes to Jalen Hurts, man. I, I don't know how the Eagles are doing it. You watch them play, it's ugly. They win close every week, and it looks like they're going to lose every week, but they find ways at the end. And a lot of that is because Jalen Hurts has the clutch gene, man. He makes a lot of big throws. He makes a lot of big plays. And got to give the devil his due. I, I I can't stand them. I hope that they lose every game they play the rest of the year uh, as a rival of my Cowboys. But you got to give the devil his due. They get a win in overtime, 37-34 against Buffalo. And L goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm tired of the Los Angeles Chargers, bro. I'm tired of Justin Herbert. I'm tired of getting told how good Justin Herbert is. You're 4-7, and seven, bro. Every year it's the same thing. Oh, the Chargers are close. They're just, they're so close. Just can't. I'm tired of that. You're four and seven. Your head coach should be removed. Your head coach should have been removed last year. You could have got Sean Payton. You didn't. You, that's a huge mistake. You got to get Staley out of there. You got to get Kellen Moore out of Kellen Moore's another, another one of those Matt Canada guys, right? I, I, I get it. A lot of folks were saying, oh, well, he had the highest scoring offense in Dallas. Oh, huh. He was just running up the score late in games. Like Dallas's offense, in my opinion, is far better this year than what they were at any point under Kellen Moore because they're more under control. If you score 40 points, but you turn it over five times scoring the 40 points, you're handicapping yourself. 
Kellen Moore's not a proficient NFL coordinator, and the thing that he gets head coaching interviews that just don't understand it, don't get it, and the Chargers are four and seven, and they're on the verge of probably getting rid of everybody here pretty soon. Weekend W goes to Christian McCaffrey. Boy, we could give him one just about every week, can't we? Um, 19 carries, 114 yards, two touchdowns. He had his lengthy touchdown uh, streak snapped, but he got two to make up for it this week against Seattle. They go on the road, and they blast the Seahawks. He had a big old win. A weekend L goes to officiating, always around. We talked about the officiating at the high school level and how there were some mistakes made. But I watched college and pro games, and it wasn't any better there. I mean, we had an LSU guy get uh, a targeting penalty when he tackled a receiver arm to head. Now, granted, they reviewed it and they fixed it, but it was still bad. I'm watching the Alabama game. They're missing calls left and right. I'm watching, you know, on Sunday in the NFL, the Saints game. They're missing calls left and right. I'm watching the Eagles game. They're missing calls left and right. I'm watching the Chiefs game. They're missing calls left and right. We've got to do better. At the NFL level, there's no excuse because you have the resources and the money and the funds to make those guys full-time officials, pay them year-round. You're only going to be a referee. You're not going to be anything else. They're too cheap to do that, so they get guys who are part-timers, dudes who own law practices and dudes who work at other jobs while being an NFL referee, and you get what you pay for, which is a product that, frankly, the fans deserve better than. A weekend W this weekend goes to, let's see, we got um, Michigan. Oh, look, man, there's no way to no, no way to sugarcoat it. Um, without Harbaugh to continue to win and to beat Ohio State, that's very impressive. Are they going to make the playoff? Probably, because they're probably going to beat Iowa on Saturday. Are they going to win when they're in the playoff? Probably not. We've seen this movie before. They're going to run into a team with some Southern athletes, and they're going to get beat. But the fact that they finished their season as strongly as they did, despite the firestorm that they are in, is extremely impressive. Weekend L goes to Auburn's defense. Auburn, baby, what are you doing? It's fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. All you got to do is give up 30 yards or less and you're going to beat Alabama and you're going to get the biggest upset win of the season. You're going to shake up the college football playoff and you're going to do all sorts of things um, to build some momentum going into next season. And instead of running a somewhat base defense, which is what has allowed you to get the lead, you don't even really rush anybody. And you let Jalen Milrow stand in the pocket for what felt like a half hour before finally getting a receiver to break free in the back of the end zone and hit him on a one-on-one. Here's an idea. When you, I feel like teams in college and pro both are so scared to give up long passes down the field, so scared that they end up making the situation worse by trying to defend against that. You want to know a way to not let Alabama get 31 yards? You go and knock Milrow on his ass before the receivers could run 31 yards down the field. I'm not saying blitz everybody. I'm not saying cover zero. I'm not saying anything stupid. You could still drop some safeties back into the end zone by rushing a linebacker or two and making him rush the throw. But if he's able to stand back there, fill out LLC papers, to open up a business, like he, the, the man ate a steak, drank a glass of wine, did some physics homework, and then decided, oh, I, oh, I'm still up. Uh, nobody's still rushing me. Okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead and throw a touchdown now. 
You can't let any I, – I don't think Milrow's a very good passer, but you can't give any quarterback that much time. So when L goes to the Auburn defense for uh, – what, what the hell are you doing? I, what, what are you doing? Like No one understands what you're doing right now. A.W. goes to Florida State. Boy, it takes guts to go in the swamp, get off to a bad start, fall behind 12-0, and then dominate the rest of the game like Florida State did in beating Florida 24-15. to Napier, I, I don't see it. Um, we don't even hear whispers that he's on the hot seat, but it's a Florida team that's 5-7. and seven. Florida's too good of a, a job to not be going to a bowl. Um, and this is Napier's second year. And in year two, you're supposed to see some improvements. Florida won six games last year. They won five this year. What's the excuse there? It's a Gator team that started off the year five and two and just didn't win another game. They lost to Georgia, Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, and Florida State, and they're not even going to a bowl. Um, Big hot mess, but give kudos to Florida State for being tough enough to overcome some adversity and make some things happen. In the NBA, I'm going to give a weekend W to the Orlando Magic. My God, the Orlando Magic. They're 12-5 and and have won seven games in a row. The Orlando Magic are a classic example of what I talk about here all the time. A classic example of why I don't get excited when the Pelicans make the playoffs as as the seventh seed and lose in the first round. I would rather be the 14th seed and be getting lottery picks. Orlando has been bad for a decade. Lottery pick, lottery pick, lottery pick, lottery pick, lottery pick. Now they've got a young core. They've hit on some of those lottery picks, and they're 12-5, and five, and they're playing at an exceedingly high level. Also a W to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, guess what? Hear me out. They did the exact same thing. They built their roster through draft picks and not being good for a while and understanding that by not being good for a while, you're going to be good in the future. Oklahoma City, second in the Western Conference, 11-5 and five record. Those are teams that are building it right. Pelicans are not. Weekend W goes to, or excuse me, Weekend L goes to Ben Simmons. I'm so tired of Ben Simmons. I, he's hurt already. All offseason long. Oh, it's comeback season. See this video of Ben Simmons dunking on an insurance salesman in a pickup game at the YMCA. It's comeback season. Oh, it's comeback season, all right. He played, and when he played, he was only averaging six points a game because he's too much of a coward to shoot the basketball. And now he has done successfully what Ben Simmons does every year. He's got a nagging injury, and he's going to be out forever with the nagging injury. All my backs hurt. I'll be reevaluated in seven to ten days. Those seven to 10 days are going to turn into 24 to 28 days. are going to turn into two to three months. are going to turn into, oh, crap, you know, hey, I'm out of shape. So that's what's going to happen. He's going to come back in about a month, but then it's going to be, well, I'm not ready to play because I'm not in basketball shape. The farthest that we could get this jackass away from the NBA, the entire league will be better. One of the highest paid players in the sport and is unquestionably, in my opinion, the worst contract in the NBA is this dude. Doesn't play isn't impactful when he does play, doesn't have a desire to play, but yet is still getting paid zillions of dollars by the Brooklyn Nets who were stupid enough to take him in a trade. What a mess. What a what a monumental mess this is. But yet again, we all got Buffalo because we all got told in the off, oh, it's comeback season, baby. Ben Simmons, comeback season. 
The only time the guy actually plays basketball is in July whenever he's playing pickup at the Y and making Twitter and Instagram videos. It, it, it's it's absurd, absurd, absolutely unreal. A weekend W goes to Morrow, the transfer post player of the LSU women's basketball team. LSU was playing out in the Cayman Islands um, without Angel Reese, who still did not make the trip. The Lady Tigers got a win 76-73 to over Virginia um, and were extremely short-handed in the process. But Morrow was absolutely Herculean for the Lady Tigers in the win. I'll read you her stats as we pull them up here. In the three-point win over Virginia, the transfer post from DePaul had 37 points, 16 rebounds on 15 of 25 shooting. LSU's now 7-1, and one, and they remain unbeaten in the games that Angel Reese does not play. Don't have an update on her status. The Lady Tigers next take the floor on Thursday at home against Virginia Tech. That's a matchup against the number 9 team in the country. It's a really big game for LSU. But this is a team that's quietly starting to get better and is quietly starting to figure out some roles, quietly starting to figure out who's who. Morrow averages 18 points a game. Michaela Williams, 17 points a game. Van Lith is finding her role. Flo J. Johnson's finding her role. If you get Reeves back and you get bought in, don't sell all of your LSU stock. There's still a really good chance that this team can make a really deep push. That's all for me today. Hope everybody's enjoyed the show. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Best of luck to everybody playing today. I know we got a bunch of games around the area, middle school and high school both. Best of luck to our soccer teams who are playing today. Got a bunch of soccer games in the area as well. Uh, you've been listening to Play by Play. Casey Jiskler signing off. Have a great rest of the day. Love you guys. Be back tomorrow. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.